you could be a very effective, great doctor and also have mental health conditions that you are managing alongside it. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the basement yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and today I am joined by board-certified psychiatrist, and I can't wait to talk about this. ADHD clinical specialist, Dr. Sasha Hamdani. Dr. Sasha, how are you doing today? Danny, I'm good. I'm good. I had a little bit of a busy morning, but I'm super excited to be here. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for being with us. First question I have to ask, were you always drawn to psychiatry and ADHD as a kid? No. No. So you're not one of those people that like knew. I'm so jealous of people that like knew what they wanted to do their entire lives. Like, I don't even know what I want to do right now. I'm going (laughs) to keep doing what you're doing. Number one. Thank you. Number two. So my mom is a pediatrician. I grew up and I was like, that woman is so happy, like such a good work-life balance, really loved her job. We grew up in kind of a small town. Everybody kind of knew her, loved her. It was just like such an elite job. So I was like, that is what I want to do. So I went into schooling knowing that I wanted to do medicine. And I thought pediatrics, I entered medical school thinking I was going to do pediatric surgery. And I think like when I was in medical school or entering medical school, I think I thought about that because I it sounded cool. <laughs> and then like right, yeah. first day of surgery, I was like, oh, I no, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, so you were really deep into it. I knew I wanted to do medicine. And so I ended up like when I was in high school, researching ways that you could get into medical school right out of high school. And so I ended oh, up doing wow. that because I was like, I just want the fastest way to get in. And I ended up getting accepted into a program which did my undergrad and my grad at the same time. So I started medical school like right from 18 and like started working forward. Ah, wow. I didn't even know you could do that. You know what? Truth, I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) It's not like this super nurturing process. Like basically it's what they're doing is they're just taking out vacation. And then at the end of it, you just get like a super one-sided medically efficient high schooler, like no way for depth. You can't talk about anything. Like everybody in the class dated each other. It was just, it's just a mess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Doogie Hauser. You remember yeah, Doogie Hauser? Like sloppier. Yeah. I know Doogie Hauser. <laughs> he was the man. So your mom was a pediatrician. What was it like not having to pay to go to the doctor as a kid? Here's the deal. It's a, double-edged kind of thing. Cause my mom, she never thought I was sick when I actually was. 
So like I never actually uh, <laughs> so like the times where okay. I, so like I'd go to the doctor to do my like sports physicals and my physicals and all of that stuff. But like when I was actually like I should have gone to the doctor, she'd be like, You're fine. You're cool. Oh yeah. You always had to go to school, probably. Always. And I would just infect uh, everybody. <laughs> that's, that's brutal. I feel like, you know, they, that could go either way because it's like your mom obviously knows what she's talking about. So you can't really argue with her. True. In her defense, I was a notorious faker. I, like, I would just. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, we're on the same page. I like fully executed, like, inducing asthma on myself to get out of the mile. <laughs> like, I have I've asthma. been there too. <laughs> I've been there too. I've been there too for a long time. I, it, I, I didn't even have asthma when I started getting this. Now I think I just forced myself to have asthma now. So now it's just I can get out of stuff. Were you a fan of school? Were you not a fan of school? Did you feel pressured to kind of go into the medical field because your mom was in the medical field? No, I never felt pressured. I wanted to do what she did. I wanted to be there. And I, I really did like school. I think from a young age and now, <laughs> like pretty yeah, yeah. hyperactive. So in school, it was, I enjoyed learning. I enjoyed being in school. I really enjoyed the creative parts of school, but I really didn't enjoy so much of the structure. I would get bored really easily. And so it really kind of came to a head in fourth grade when uh, there was a substitute teacher there that day. And I like got all the other kids to, <laughs> riot against this teacher for no reason like that's messed up i shouldn't have done that and i'm sorry see you could tell because it actually still sticks with you all the way to till today yeah it, it definitely still sticks with me but then like you have your own kids and you recognize how like literally like teachers are actual angels of people like they're so oh, yeah. important and so like you cannot pay them enough in the world because of the job that they do. So the, my behavior is, <laughs> was absolutely unacceptable. But anyway, so I started a riot. It was poorly received. My teachers were like, okay, there's something going on. Like go and get this kid evaluated, which is something that didn't happen a lot at that time, especially no. not with girls. Yeah. So they got me evaluated. I was diagnosed with ADHD. I was put on medication. But it, again, it wasn't talked about. So my parents didn't tell me that I had ADHD and I just uh, kept taking like medication, but like, I didn't actually know it was a medication. I thought it was just like, a, I didn't really ask questions the day they didn't explain. I would just take something with my Flintstones vitamin. It was just with my vitamins. And yeah. so it was my vitamin, right. Then there was like a pretty seismic shift between me, like tolerating school and like really enjoying parts of it, but not being able to like focus and attend to the others to like killing it. I did really well after that. And I really started like paying attention was a lot easier. I wasn't getting in trouble. I like enjoyed learning. I would really go above and beyond. And then things became a lot easier. That's awesome. If you really think about it, it's like, I always say this, I have a bit in my standup how I was the, like the last era of special ed where they just kind of put all of us in the same room. <laughs> yeah. There was no specifications. They were like, oh, this one has a little weird. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah. They're like, he's a little weird. It was me. I'm bipolar. So I was bipolar. There was a severely learning disabled kids in, in there too. And we all sat and like hung out and ate lunch together. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was really getting any help. We went to daycare in high school. <laughs> That's yes. like what it was. It was like daycare. But I'm happy that 
you know, even like through social media, and you have a very big social media, TikTok, the psych doctor MD, right? Yeah. Where do you kind of find the fine line between like doing social media with professionalism? Because if you look at the way like social media is now, everybody kind of has like a mental health panel. It's like sexy to like have mental health (laughs) issues now. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So it's like mental health issues are like being like over-sexualized at this point. It's like people like think guys are hot because they have like bipolar and like this guy could like barely go to sleep at night. It's like his life is is horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, you should love whoever you want, but how do you kind of straddle the line between professionalism and entertainment? Was it something that you consciously went into being like, I have to do this the right way if I'm going to put myself on social media and then also be a doctor as well? Mm, No. (laughs) I mean, should I have been more thoughtful about it? Probably. I think when it started, so when it started was like December of 2020. So literally everybody was on TikTok and Instagram. We were all like deep in the pandemic and no one was like out. Right. So we were all in our phones and I got onto it because my patients were actually during visits, they were showing me videos and I was like, this is legitimately bad information. How is this a thing? Exactly. So I went on there initially because I was like, what is on here? And I made a video just like, I don't know. I was in like, just totally casual, not really thinking much of it. And it did pretty well. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe people are watching this. And maybe if I can put out a little bit more information, it'll drown out some of the bad information. Then I started to make more. And then as I started to get into it and like, this is like everybody's story, right? You get sucked into social media and you're like, then you get oh, yeah, right? So then I got on, into it more. I realized there was a lot of really good information and it really what separated good information from bad information was how it, number one, it was like, who was saying it? Like, does a person actually know what they're talking about? But number two was how it was right. presented. And so I think- as I've gotten more savvy about social media and as social media has become more saturated with this like overly sexy mental health slant, I think it's important to distinguish like, you know, this is coming from diagnostic criteria or introducing myself as like, Hey, I'm a board certified psychiatrist. And this is information that is reliable or credible. And that's not meant to sound like braggy or gross. It's like, this is just no, like that's who you want your information step. to come from. Right. Yeah. It's just a way of like distinguishing your information. So people aren't having to work as hard to figure out, like, do I need to vet this information as accurate? Yeah. Because, you know, like even with this show, we always have it like a disclaimer before. It's like that. I, I tell people I'm not a mental health professional. I'm yeah. just a dude that's been through some shit. So like I just share my story, like what I've been through, you know, it's just great to have people come on the show that like actually know what they're talking about. And then also have people in the community that actually know what they're talking about. 18 million views. I mean, that's, that's nothing to stick your nose do- up at. That's a- no, no, not at all. You're doing something so, right. You know, You're reaching an audience that is, yeah, but I think that's like some of the value of all of this, right? It's relatable content where people can see this and they can talk about stuff and they have these digestible and then like truly entertaining. Your show is a f- like very entertaining to watch and listen to it's about finding the levity in this stuff you yeah. have to find some kind of levity with because if you don't it's just it's so morbid yeah so dark you know it's like i already go through dark stuff like you know if, if i can't find a way to kind of laugh at it it's hard to get through the day so being diagnosed with adhd right mm-hmm. 
I have bipolar. If I want to become a psychiatrist, like legally, can I do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought like oh, you yeah. had to have like a clean brain test to like go. Listen, into, like, man, have you met psychiatrists? <laughs> We're all yes. dealing with our own stuff. <laughs> That's something that I think getting out on social media. That was the hardest part for me was the self-disclosure part, because like for a while I was talking about ADHD and I was talking about it, but I didn't disclose that I had ADHD. And then as I got further, I thought about it and I was like, I think that there's value in understanding like, hey, I'm a physician, but I also have ADHD. This is how I've kind of gotten through those stages to get to this point. These are some of the things that I've learned from. This is what, because I think there's a valuable clinical insight in both being a patient and a provider. Like, I think that's an interesting spot to be in. I think a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I think you'd be surprised to know that psychiatrists and therapists, they, it's some of what lends people into that direction is this desire to understand themselves better. And that's kind of why they move into that psychiatric or psychological field. Yeah. Cause listen, if I go to see somebody and they have something similar to me and I kind of see them being successful. What I would feel honestly more comfortable. Yeah. Like, All right. So this person like kind of has a grasp on actually what I go through from, like you said, like a personal level and then also a scientific level. That's actually uh, encouraging for people to go. But, you know, it's just, I always thought they were like, you know, we have to do a mental screening on you before you can like tell people about braids. Do you have to do that? No, no, what? no. <laughs> No, the thing that is interesting is like, you don't have to disclose anything. If you choose to disclose something like you can use it for like accommodations or something like that, but it's your mental health journey for the most part. I mean, unless it's like a safety issue, right? If it's a safety issue, you have to disclose it. But like for the most part, I mean, that is part of your own personal journey. For sure. For sure. It's not prohibitive to be a doctor. You could be a very effective, great doctor and also have mental health conditions that you are managing alongside it. I want to talk about your book, obviously. Yeah. Uh, self-care for people with ADHD. Writing a book for people with ADHD is kind of an oxymoron, right? Yeah. I don't think it was a super traditional way that I went about like the publish. I don't think I've ever talked about this. So how this came about is that I was on social media, whatever, posting videos. And Simon and Schuster reached out to me. And like, originally when they reached out, they reached out to my office and I was like, don't answer their call. It's a scam call, whatever. And they yeah. have to- Well, you hear Simon and Schuster and you think it's a scam, you know? Simon and Schuster are kind like, of big dogs out there. Big dogs. And I'm like, there's no, there is literally no way. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. way. And I was much, much, much smaller on social media. So I was like, there, no. Right. So then they kept calling. And finally got in touch with me. And so then someone that I hadn't told to ignore the call got in touch with me. And they're like, I talked to them. They sound legit. Why don't you talk to them? And literally handed me the phone. And I was like, hello, (laughs) who is this? And it was legitimate. But I told them right off the bat, I'm like, I'm like so flattered about all of this. And I think a book would be great. I just don't know. I myself have not read a book recreationally since probably before medical school. I just like, that's not something that's been part of my life. I don't know how effective this would be, but I think what happened was 
I just have to rethink how to write a book for people with ADHD. What was a book that I would read? And I guess the answer to that was small chapters, <laughs> small yeah. two paragraph chapters that you, it doesn't have any order. You could pick it up from whenever it, like, if you're like, I really want to work on social stuff, you can like flip to that part of the book, or you can like just open up to a page and see if that applies. And so I think that's absolutely I wrote it. Yeah. Because, you know, like even the, there's so much help out there for like people that can't get into like a therapist's office, let's say. Totally. You know what I mean? I tell people this all the time. Like I had to go through like seven therapists before I found like one that worked for me. Mm-hmm. I honestly enjoyed that process. I don't mind doctor shopping. I kind of like it. Ugh. But some people... Horrible. <laughs> yeah, but some, but some people hate it. It's like, hey, listen, you know, I'm trying to just find somebody that's the right fit. You know, if I could find it, I, I'll find it. And I did. But... In the meantime, though, there were a lot of actual books that helped me get through those little, you know, this guy's office isn't open for Transition. another two and a half weeks. Yeah. So you need these little things to kind of get you through. How's your ADHD today? So I'm at the spot in my life where I'm not on medication for it. And I'm just like skating by on behavioral techniques. So that's a big change. Am I fully well controlled from an ADHD perspective? I don't think so. I'm definitely not at like peak effectiveness where I have been, but I think a lot of that also is that I have two small kids right now and my life is mm. chaos. I'm starting to like figure out how to juggle. Like I don't have to just juggle my brain. I have to make sure that their lives are stable and good. And that, that utilizes a lot of resources. So I think it is, we're, we're working on it. <laughs> hey, listen, that's, that's all that really matters if you're working on it or not. I hate when people say they have ADHD and they never got a diagnosis. It drives me nuts. Yeah, it's annoying. Again, it's like, I didn't go through all this stuff in my life and then get a diagnosis for you guys just come out here and say you have this and, and you don't have a diagnosis. You know, it's but like, come on. Keep in mind, Danny, that diagnosis is elusive for a lot of people. But there are a lot of people that can't access care. They can't do this. It's true. It is annoying for someone who's experiencing a, a mental health disorder that's been diagnosed. And then like from the outside perspective, like I'll give you the example of the ADHD because that's what I see, right? When I'm like actively struggling and then someone is a little bit disorganized or it shows up late and they're like, it must be my ADHD. It makes like trivializes it. That drives me a hundred percent bonkers. But at the same time, I don't yeah. know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know if they can access care. I don't know all of these things. So I've tried to be more patient, but yeah, it is annoying. So what is like ADHD by definition? Cause it's like uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, right? Like I know what that means, but like I don't. <laughs> okay. So ADHD is this neurodevelopmental condition, which is characterized by hyperactivity impulsivity and inattentiveness. And you don't necessarily have to have all three of those, but basically what it is at its base, your brain has a dysregulation issue of depending on what you're looking at in many different areas of the brain. And a lot of people say, you know, you're looking at the neurotransmitters of norepinephrine and dopamine. A lot of people feel like it's a deficit when it actually isn't. It's just that it's not present in the right place at the right time. So that's at its base. That's what's happening. It's just a dysregulation of chemicals in your brain at different areas. So your brain isn't functioning 
the way that it should be at the time it should be. So at times your brain is moving faster than it should be. At times it's moving slower than it should be. And so when you're looking at ADHD as like a longitudinal issue, because this is something that you struggle with from birth most of the time, because genetically there's this huge load, but you are struggling over time. Your brain chemistry for the most part doesn't change that much. You just kind of adapt and start to cope a little bit differently. Ah. So are there like different types of ADHD? Yeah, there are three different types. So there is the inattentive type and I'll go into each of these inattentive type, hyperactive type and combined type, which is obviously a combination of the two. Inattentive is typically how girls present. So difficulty initiating tasks, difficulty keeping organized, difficulty with being forgetful, difficulty with, you know, people are talking to them and they can't pay attention in that moment. People, you know, previously noted this was like a space cadet, you know, just daydreaming and not paying attention Uh, in that moment. That's what you're thinking of with like inattentiveness. Okay. Hyperactivity is more of this like physical and verbal agitation. So physical, like you're fidgeting a lot, you're getting out of your seat, verbal impulsivity, you're hyper talkative, you're interrupting other people, you're blurting out an answer. That criteria for both of those, kind of vague still, right? I mean, it it could be a lot of different things. It could be from like, you could have thyroid stuff that looks like that. Bipolar can look like that. Depression can look like that. Certain seizures Mm -hmm. can look like that. So it's, it's, it takes a kind of skilled clinician to go through and be able to look at this in a longitudinal pattern and be able to like tease out, okay, it's probably not this, probably not this. And what is remaining? Could this be ADHD? Uh, Okay. So like, even you said, like bipolar depression, they could show signs of ADHD. I feel like ADHD can make you depressed, right? There's probably a streamline there where it can actually lead into that. If you're so hyperactive all the time. (laughs) Yes. 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 It's a for real thing. It's a for real thing. The other problem with women getting diagnosed, a lot of the times they're getting diagnosed with mood disorders and depression and anxiety when really it was an underlying ADHD the whole time because it wasn't on anyone's radar. The physician wasn't thinking about ADHD and they're just seeing this mood component. It's almost like you're so far along because like you said, you've been struggling with it probably your whole life, right? So you're mm-hmm. so far along that you are depressed from it, but they oh, don't even yeah. look into it. They just look right into the, the depression part. Oh, that's pretty pretty yeah. interesting, actually. Like I take Lexapro, right? Yeah. And it helped me with all my symptoms, right? But yeah. there were side effects. That shit turned me into a demon. I haven't cried in like a year and a half. You okay. know what I mean? Like stuff that you like used to make me cry all the time. Yeah. After I started taking Lexapro, I just like stopped crying. I became a, a fucking thug. Like, I don't know what happened to oh, me. Yeah. Now, with the imbalances, what I wanted to parlay that into is that weighing the side effects of medication and the pros of medication, right? There's so many medications. I tried Zoloft first, and I was like, nah, this is actually making me like sadder. You know <laughs> what I mean? So then they switched it. And then when I landed on Lexapro, I was like, yeah, I feel really good, but I'm a demon now. There's always side effects with medication. What are some of the side effects that come with ADHD medication? So I will answer this question by explaining kind of how wide that question actually is, because ADHD medication, a lot of the people think like ADHD medication, Adderall, Ritalin, all of those derivatives, that's ADHD medication. Wrong. ADHD medication 
it can be a stimulant medication, but there is this whole other world of non-stimulant medications, which are, can be antidepressants. It can be blood pressure medications. It can be all different types of medication that people typically don't think about to treat ADHD, but they're awesome. They're first line agents. They treat ADHD. They can be longer acting. They can be safer in general, not a controlled medication. So when you're looking at side effects of that, I guess the first question you start to ask is what does an appropriate medication look like? Like, what should you feel like when your ADHD is properly managed? Because then you can start to see like, okay, I am being properly managed. Is this a side effect I can live with or not? And the correct ADHD management, and this is probably a hot take. I don't know if other people agree with me on this because it's not a great answer. The correct medication shouldn't make you feel like a super person or a super being or like, I am limitless. No, like that's not right. The correct medication is how you would function on a relatively okay day, on a day where you're like, I feel pretty good. So you're not going to have this dialed in focus hundred percent of the time. That's unrealistic. And like, you're putting unnecessary yes. like strain on your heart and your brain. This should just be a way to kind of level the playing field so that you're not susceptible to those big lows or to, to just like steamrolling and messing up huge portions of your life. But again, it's not going to feel awesome awesome (laughs) that you're looking for something that doesn't exist because if you're getting to that point where you feel awesome, then you've overshot it. And what's going to happen is that you're going to start dealing with other issues. Like if that, if you're hanging out up here, you're going to deal with more, more significant side effects. You're going to deal with problems when you're not on it. And as some of those medications are controlled medications, you move into like the slippery slope of addictive medications. It's a matter of kind of tempering expectations. Because I had panic disorder as well. The first time they put me on a benzodiazepine, I went into Walgreens and I didn't realize I was in there for 45 minutes. I was just like (laughs) floating around on a cloud. I was just like, whoa, this This is great. This is is awesome. And then, you know, obviously you build up a tolerance so fast. You're like, oh, that's never coming back. I've always been on medication. I'm pro medication. Always have been. Me too. It's okay if people that are anti. I understand where everybody comes from, but I'm, I've always been pro medication. Helps yeah. me get through the days. But the hardest thing was is you know legally you guys all have to say like the side effects. So like when I got diagnosed, they're like, so I have to read you these side effects, and they were like, all right, so you might get more depressed, could have suicidal thoughts, uh, your wiener might not work, and I was just like, oh whoa whoa, like yeah, I was like depression and like want to kill myself. I feel like I can get through that. I've already been through those parts of my life. But you said that my winner is not going to work? Yeah. And they were like, no, it could. It could not work. I said, listen, if this Let's go makes my way. wiener not work, we need to take something else. But thankfully, no. It's, uh, I remember they were like, and then she was like, and then she was like, well, you, it might just like take you a really long time to climax. I was like, well, you know what? That's kind of a good thing. Okay. So like, you know, we'll, we'll take more. Yeah, We'll run with that. Yeah. Yeah. That one's a little better. That, you should have just said that to begin with. Don't say I'm not going to be able to get a, a thing here. Is anxiety related to ADHD at all? Um, so anxiety and ADHD run together about a quarter of cases. So it's pretty common to happen at the same time. That being said, even if it doesn't, I will tell you from my own case, I'm not diagnosed with anxiety, but my ADHD makes me horrifically anxious. I'm anxious about showing up on time. I'm anxious about forgetting stuff. I mean, and it makes me anxious 
So there's a lot to be said about the anxiety that ADHD brings on. Absolutely. Because there's so many residual like effects, right? Of, of anxiety, like anxiety could be so bad, like, or, or a panic attack could be so bad. You know, you feel like you just like got into an actual physical fight mm-hmm. and you didn't do shit. You just sat in your room. So like, there's a lot that goes on with that. I have a couple more questions for you before I let you go. When you write a book, yeah. right. And you said before, listen, I don't read books, which I think is Super honest to be like, hey, listen, I don't read books and you want me to write something that I don't even partake in. Were you afraid that either you were not going to put enough into the book or like making revisions to the book? What was that kind of process like of being like, I have to put this in the book or this has to be taken out of the book? What's that kind of process for you, especially you coming from a medical field of, you know, you want to give the best message that you possibly can for people to be able to read? It's hard for me because I feel like it was impossible for me to write that book without bringing in some personal flair to it, right? And and they really didn't want me to. They were like, this is a self-help book for other people. Do not include yourself. This is not what we're doing. And I was like, I truly cannot write a book unless I do it from my own perspective because I don't know how to write for other people. I know how to write for my own brain. So I'm going to write a book like what I wish someone had handed me. So I guess that's where I started from. And that was like the base of like what I included, what I didn't include. The end product of that, I think I did a good job putting in the book what I wanted to. But again, I think the book format is hard. It's limiting. It's been a long time since I've read a book and some people are just not into that. And audiobooks are a thing, but even audiobooks, I, I haven't really gotten into as much. And that's what kind of moved me into the app. And the app is what I kind of poured my blood, sweat, and tears into for Focus Genie to kind of get everything yeah. I wanted to get into a format. That's where I put it. So I think doing the book first, I felt good about and then rounding it out with focus genie, that's where I felt like, okay, I think I've done it. <laughs> so complete. Yeah. You're like, right. yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like I everything, everything had to be there. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about focus genie. So focus genie launched in July, right? July 21st. So we had to rebuild it in February because it was ready. And I just got freaked out at the last second. Like if for whatever reason, if this actually needs to accommodate a lot of people, I don't want this to crash. And so it wasn't built for a huge user base. So I was like, just we'll wait on it before we launch. Because if for some reason, a lot of people use it, I want them to be able to use it. So we're putting finishing touches on it literally this week. And hopefully we should do a a release in the next couple of weeks, month after this. Launching is the the biggest thing. You know what I mean? And and making it, uh, like you said, you know, making, pouring your heart and soul into something. You want to make sure that it's going to be able to work fully for as many people that need it, right? So what will people be able to expect though with Focus Genie? So Focus Genie is, Nanny, it's awesome. (laughs) And I know I'm tooting my own horn, but I've been looking at it for so long and I'm still obsessed with it, which is like, I can't say that about anything else ever. (laughs) It's a comprehensive ADHD management app for behavioral strategies. So this is, you know, you don't have to have a diagnosis. You don't have to have a doctor. You don't have to have medication. This is just to optimize and make your brain work better. And so it's got a part of it, which is educational stuff where it just has this little like Instagram style, social media style swipe through super easy. I made them all. They're cute. It has that, 
And that's where I feel like, you know, with the book, I asked the publisher, I was like, can I put in drawings? Can I put it like, I need something to engage me more. And they're like, what? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so this See, is that's, that's the ADHD in you though. Like I have to draw on this book. I want to draw in the book. I want to put in color in the book. They're like, please leave. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. this is where the app, like it is so colorful. It's like, it's just very engaging on that front. And then from like a productivity standpoint, it has, it has a, like a to-do list that you can voice record right into. It's tied to like an oh, cool. thing. So as you're going through and you're like achieving your tasks and there's like a task timer where you can work with the task timer, you can work with the body double if you need accountability. But as you're going through, like you earn coins, it's kind of game of coins. I know, right? It, it it shouldn't be such an incentive for me, but like that I have to gamify my life if I want anything to get done. Yeah, what? Gamifying is the shit. I love when apps have gamified. It makes me feel like I accomplished something. I'm even like uh, two coins, I have done it. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, like even like with my Apple Watch, when like the activity goal gets filled up and I get that buzz, it gets me going. Oh, it gets you going. So that really, I mean, so that was a huge thing. And then it has things like it has a mindfulness area where you can journal and you can see like how, and it, it's prompted. So it's not like this blank page, which I think is kind of like intimidating, but you can see, right. you can put a picture, you can voice record, you can type, you can see how you change from year to year. It has a focus tracker that, and that's like my absolute favorite part of the app where you can track like how impulsive you were, what your mood was like, all of this other stuff. And it gets tracked to insights so you can see over time, like what's happening. And that's oh. what I think was the hardest part for me because like going through medical school and when I was struggling with like, that's when, you know, I like the wheels kind of came off. I felt like every day I just reinvented the wheel. I was like, I'm going to do this today. Right. And it would just like not work. So this is like such a good way of identifying my pattern. So I could be like, okay, this for sure doesn't work. <laughs> You're also writing a second book. Yes, I am. I'm waiting for this app to like take off and do that, but I've already right. started the second book. I haven't even talked about this. So this is okay. exclusive. Exclusive. The way that the first book was set up was like very traditional self-help book, like oh, you have trouble with procrastinating. Here's why it happens in your brain. Here's what you can do. I felt like that format was good. And it, like, I just, I had too many ideas to put into that format. So I feel like right. the second book is going to be more like stories. So it's going to be really engaging and easy to read in that like you're reading a story, but then you're getting a usable kind of tidbit of information out of it or numerous tidbits of information. So I feel like that's, that's going to be how this slants and changes. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the first book, I feel like you're saying is, like, more of, like, an intro to ADHD, and then this one's more of, like, yeah. all right, we're, you're past that level. You, you're already dealing with ADHD, and it's kind of things that, you know, I really am a big fan of hearing things from peers yeah. as much. Yeah. It's more accessible than doctors are. Like, well, there's doctors like you that are on social media and stuff, but, like, being able to get people through, you know, we have people that listen to this show or people that listen to my other shows, and they'll be like, listen, like, I was really struggling. Then I heard you talk about it and it made me feel like a lot better about myself. I think that's where a lot of people find um, solace is in people that they either look up to or people that they know personally dealing with the same issues that they're dealing with. 
my last question for you that yeah. I ask everybody on the show is, and I always love to hear how doctors answer this question. Are you happy today? Yeah, very much so. Oh, great. Like today objectively sucked for a lot of reasons. I went to the dentist and like oh, it sucks. inside of my brain and like the sound of those drills, like I get nervous anyway. And I asked to put like an x-ray vest on as like a weighted blanket. Like <laughs> I was freaked yeah. out. So there were a lot of things, but I think in general, I feel very lucky, very happy today specifically, but like in general recently, because I very consciously made it an effort that with stressful things in my life to try to pivot and really, really savor some of the great things that are happening. Mm. Live in the moment. Yeah. Live in the moment and like really get to enjoy and watch to see some of those positives. And I think it's made, I think it's made a huge, that little pivot like two, three months ago, I think it's made a big difference. I don't perseverate on the negative as much anymore. We're working mm. on it. <laughs> well, ha, ha, I'm sure kids keep that, that part of you, you know, moment by moment when it comes to kids, right? Yeah. They're also yep. because of the negatives, <laughs> <laughs> just like uh, constantly. I think about taking one or both of them to the ER once a week, just like the injury uh. they sustain. Like, toy card of the face or you know they have found a way to fashion their bed into a weapon like that like how yeah this happen the, the amazing thing about children though is that they are pretty resilient you kind of bump yeah. them around and they get through you know if i, I took a toy card in the face right now i'd be in the hospital for a month yeah i know but they're cool but cool yeah yeah, no, they're super cool. I just got married a couple months ago. I'm trying to have a kid, so I'm trying to get all the, the information of what, what, what it's like. She's not as ready as I am to have a kid, but I just want a kid already just so I can have an excuse to be like, no, nah, I'm going to hang out with my kid today. Yeah, it's a good, it's a solid way to get out of pretty much anything you don't want to do. Do you psychoanalyze your kids though from the kitchen? You just be like, oh, what was that about? I really try. And then I get, I'm just like, I truly don't know. I need to call an expert. <laughs> I need to call an expert. Dr. Sasha, where can everybody find you on the internet? Where can they find yeah. the book? Obviously the Apple uh, Focus Genie will be in the app store when it drops. But yeah, where can everybody find you? And where is the best place to reach you? Yeah. So and is, is your office full? Is your office full? Yeah, it's full. So when I got onto social media, I was pretty full prior to that, just because like, this is kind of not a super, like, it's just there, the need for psychiatry during the pandemic and stuff was just so high anyway. So I was already getting kind of full, but like when social media kind of opened, then I, I like, it got so hectic that I had to close my practice because I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to pay attention to the patients I already had. Ah, and they're okay. my sweet, precious little eggs. <laughs> I hear you. During the pandemic, did you just whip out the the white coat and just like walk around the crib? You know what? I'm a psychiatrist. Like, I, I rarely wear my white. My white coat's disgusting. Like, <laughs> I'll wear that occasionally for like a video, but like, I don't know any psychiatrist who wears that normally. No, I would wear the shit out of that coat. I would wear the shit out of that coat. Oh my god, Matt! Hell yeah, disgusting. I think it still has like 
blood on it from residency. And I was like, I don't know how to clean this. <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm on social media. So my handle is the psych doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R-M-D. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on threads. I'm on YouTube. I know I have to throw that in there. The book is available. I mean, if you go to any one of those social media sites, there's links to all of that, but the book is available everywhere. Really. It's through Simon and Schuster. Um, You can do Barnes and Noble and Amazon and Target. I just found it at a Target. The app will be out in the App Store and the Google Play Store, hopefully sometime. Oh, it's August this month, sometime this month. Sometime this month. You can check us out at 101 OTC everywhere on the internet. And again, Dr. Sasha, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. And like I said, go check out the book. It's everywhere. Go check out the app when it drops. And hopefully, you know, we'll have you on again after the second book. Would love that. Absolutely. We will see you guys next week. Peace. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!